Jim Mallard here. Welcome to the Mallard Report. The Mallard Report is recorded in front of a live virtual audience on the Duck Pond. Tuesday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, live. Mallard.com. M-A-L-L-I-A-R-D.com. One more thing before we start. Let me turn it over to my friend that you may know from Ancient Aliens and the Curse of Oak Island and many other things. Robert Clotworthy. On the Malliard Report, the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed on the show are solely those of the hosts and guests, and not necessarily of Evergreen Podcasts, KillerPodcast.com, sponsor or affiliate, or any other individual or group. On the Malliard Report, the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in the show are solely those of the hosts and guests, and not necessarily of Evergreen Podcasts, KillerPodcast.com, sponsor or affiliate, or any other individual or group. Hey, what is the reason tonight the intro music to fell a little jank? The Marrow Report is recorded no. in front of a it's live playing. virtual audience on the Duck Pond. <laughs> Tuesday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, live. Oh. Mallard.com. M-A-L-L. <laughs> oh, good grief. It felt it sounded better the second time. Maybe I should have left it play out. I don't have time for that tonight, though. But bottom line, for those of you who weren't paying attention, the views and opinions are those of the host and guests tonight, especially. Um, we're going to get into some un- uncomfortable water. Well, bad pun, maybe. We'll see. My guest tonight is uh, Matt, Matt Snyder of uh, Scipio Biofuels. Matt, first and Hi. foremost, it's been t- 10 years in the making. I asked you to be on this show a long time ago, and you said no, but yet I asked again, and here we go. Here you are. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing all right. I'm moving forward at the speed of time. How about you? <laughs> I was going to say, today has seemed to go really fast. So at the end of the show... He's got a bombshell he wants to talk about. And after that, so stay tuned because this show is going to just keep building and building. I've got an announcement to make about what I'm doing. So, but we're not going to get into that right now. We're going to, I'll push Matt off and he can go back to work and I'll clean do this little housekeeping announcement that I have, but it's not a little announcement by any stretch. Matt, so let's talk about biofuels. Well, give me a little bit about who you are and what got you interested in biofuels so people can, we can try, dive into the deep end with everybody being on the same page. Okay, well, uh, as you know, my name is Matt Snyder. Uh, I am the uh, CEO and technology inventor for a company called Scipio Biofuels. Uh, we named the company after Scipio Africanus the Younger, uh, the Roman general who conquered Hannibal. And uh, we, I got interested in biofuels kind of by accident. Uh, I come from a research and development background. I got over 15 years in R&D and manufacturing. And one of the projects I worked on was a bioremediation project for uh, a lake that was polluted with uh, 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 nitrate and phosphate fertilizers. And one of the ideas that we came up with was to take a big clear tube, run it around the perimeter of the lake and put in dirty lake water at one end, a little bit of algae at one end, and get back a lot of algae and clean water at the other end. And it worked great. Uh, worked better than I had any idea that it would work. To the point where we weren't able to kill the algae completely to be able to put the water back in the lake. So the idea had to sit. Uh, and that's in 2002, 2003. Uh, fast forward to 2007. And uh, I start hearing about climate change and how everybody wants biofuels. And how algae has the the best potential for for biofuels, but they don't know how to grow enough algae. Well, by cosmic accident, I know how to do that. <laughs> and so that's kind of where it got started. And uh, I took what I knew and you know did a full redesign on everything and added uh, what's called a continuous harvesting capacity to the system. Uh, it's called a photobioreactor or PBR for short. And what it does is it grows algae and outputs the algae in a continuous stream instead of being a batch process like ponds. Uh, that's why you can't do biofuels using ponds because you'd have to cover Wyoming and ponds. Uh, but when right. I was going to say really quickly, uh, 
algae produce. You told me this earlier, and I should have wrote it down, but I was being a bad host because I, I know I wanted to ask you again about it again. How much algae does it take to produce X number uh, of fluid before we get? Okay, well, uh, let's assume that a, a, a gallon of, of biodiesel weighs eight pounds. It's a little heavy, but just for the sake of, of conversation, uh, that means that if I have an algae species that is 50% lipids by weight, uh, that means I have to grow 16 pounds of algae to make one pound or one gallon of fuel. Okay, that's a lot of algae. Yeah, I was gonna say if I'm going if I'm going anywhere, that's I mean a, a gallon's what twenty miles to the gallon. I mean, we're talking hundreds of pounds of algae to get anywhere. Uh, yeah, uh, you know it could take you know if, if you're going from here to Vegas, well there goes you know probably two tons of algae. You know, so it's it's not as easy as everybody thinks it, the problem really is one of scale uh you know the way that, that i designed the system uh is that it takes the, the dynamic that's used to grow algae where it's they start out with a little bit and then it stays at a low concentration until nearly the end and then they drain it and pull the algae our system is sealed and what it does is you grow the algae until it reaches a high concentration, but in order to keep the, the culture alive, you have to harvest at least 15% of it over 24, every 24 hours. And we do it over 24 hours. So every 24 hours, we're getting at least 15% of the culture that comes out in a continuous stream. That is what is necessary in order to be able to do biofuels and be economically viable. And if you, if you have a system producing between two and four tons a day, you're in like Flint. Well, that was what I came up with. That is what I created. And, uh, uh, you know, we had confirmation. Uh, I got to give props to, uh, you know, a shout out to uh, Barry Cohen of the National Algae Association and to Jim Lane of Biofuels Digest, because without the input of both of those guys, I wouldn't be here now, and the system would have died. Uh, you know, because you know, in the very beginning, we didn't know just how good a system we had. You know, all, all I was doing was was designing to the problem, which is, you know, what you do is, you know, what are the what are the parameters? What are uh, what are the requirements of the machine? And that's what you design to. And it worked so well. Uh, we started getting really good traction in the beginning. Uh, you know, cause we were, we were thinking like boy Scouts, um, you know, the whole world needs energy. If, if climate change is going to affect the whole world, everybody needs this, you know, even the people we don't like. And so that was kind of how we went into it. And, you know, as I said, in the beginning, traction was pretty good. Uh, we got a uh, little over $100,000 of, uh, of investment, and we used that to build a prototype of the system so we could prove it, and, you know, through a techno-economic analysis. And uh, when it came to uh, getting the, the capital we needed to do the economic analysis, all of a sudden... And, and very abruptly, uh, the interest disappeared. The traction disappeared. All of a sudden, nothing. Uh, it was like somebody had, had flipped a switch. And uh, well, I'm going to interrupt you and tee you up here because I, I told you that's what I do for you. Um, we have this great information, this great source. Uh, everybody says they want to go green, right? In fact, that's the kind of growing mandate. No, well, at, at the time, both uh, Barack Obama and California Governor uh, Jerry Brown, they were screaming for it. They were begging for it. You know, we got to have this or the worth is going to end up, you know, uh, under 300 mile an hour winds and scrubbed clean from sand. You know, th they were painting really ugly pictures. And... You know, I wrote to the President Obama many times to, to explain to him what we've got. And, you know, hey, you promised capital. You know, where do I go? What do I do? Help me out here. And after about three years, I got a phone call. Uh, 
from the Obama administration. And they said, you know, hey, send us what you've got. We want to take a look. I said, okay, give me your email address. They said, oh, no, no, no. Send it to us by fax. So in, you know, 2011, I believe, uh, I, I have to go find a fax machine. <laughs> uh, and so I, I faxed, I was like 17 pages or whatever. And I never heard from them again. But it took me a while to figure out why they wanted the facts. And the reality is, is that any information that going into or out of the White House, a copy of it is logged for somebody if it needs to be referred to later. Except for the fax machine. The fax machine, they only keep the, the uh, phone number. So what, what I had sent in, there's really no record of it unless you go to the NSA and get them to give you a copy. Uh, and it wasn't long after that that my problems, the problems I hadn't noticed yet, became very apparent. Uh, I mean, have you ever had anything lost in the email? <laughs> okay. Yes. Yeah, several. Uh, but not. I, I mean, emails that I, that I expected to arrive never came. Emails that I sent and called somebody to look for this never arrived. Uh, all manner of things. Uh, there were, I could tell from the software that I've got my computer, people were waltzing in and out of it, and it didn't matter what, what uh, uh, firewall I had. Uh, I know the Chinese were in there. I know that the Americans were in there. I know, you know, that the Germans were in there. Uh, there were, I mean, it, it, there were people leaving trails walking through my computer. Uh, you know, and... Uh, uh, all kinds of other crazy things started to happen. Uh, you know, like uh, at one point uh, we had uh, someone calling us uh, about uh, possibly investing, but it happened right after my business partner and I had discussed the concept of closing down. And what I noticed over time was that every time somebody said we need to shut down the company in the presence of, of our cell phones, that within 24 to 48 hours, I would get a phone call of somebody, you know, basically feigning interest. And at one point I had a conversation with my business partner and we did a little fake thing about shutting down the company. And sure enough, you know, 24 hours later, I get a phone call of somebody who's, you know, feigning interest in the company. You know, and when I say feigning interest, I mean, you know, they, they act all interested right up front, but their interest peters out in between three days and a week. Uh, you know, I, it took me a long time to, to figure out that, you know, A, it was happening, and B, it could be manipulated. And that being the case, AI is involved. That's who's listening to your phone. Make no, make no mistake. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, uh, I'm sorry, I'm looking at my notes here. Uh, no, you're fine. Well, I would ask you while you look at just this quick question. Um, sure. People, sure. people interested in buying, have you been approached by, I won't name the big Exxon Mobil Corporation? Uh, uh, oh, wait, no. because, I mean, obviously you're kind of a direct competitor to them or a good technology for them to, well, to own and to set the on? Idea, the idea was for us to, you know, originally we were going to, you know, do it and run it ourselves, you know, Boy Scout thinking, right? Uh, but we figured, okay, here's what we do is we get it working, we get it, we bring it up to, to full scale. And then, uh, as we were told by somebody in the industry, a big black limousine is going to show up and a bunch of lawyers <laughs> are going to get out of it. And one of them is going to have a, one of those big leather bound checkbooks and they're going to buy your company. And uh, they said, and I would suggest that you sell it to them. 
but we never were able to get that far. I, I mean, I, to, to change over from the extracted energy model to a manufactured energy model would provide jobs for gazillions of people. It would do so much for the economy. It's ridiculous. The government at two levels have, have begged for this. Why am I having a boot on my neck? This makes no sense. You know, I, I mean, you know, when I was in R&D, we had heard, you know, the story about the guy with the electric or the uh, car that ran on water. Yeah. And how he ended up, you know, dead in a ditch somewhere or basically was murdered. Uh, the reason I figured for that was because nobody asked for a car that ran on water. Okay. Nobody. <laughs> and, you know, if you cope with an innovation like that, I mean, I, I'm smart enough to know, you know, keep that to yourself. Okay. You know, it, it's great as a, as a, a learning experience or, a, you know, a technology demonstrator, but you don't go in and, you know, stick your middle finger in the face of, you know, big oil, all the car companies and everybody else. You just don't do that. And, you know, back then I, I never thought that I would ever be involved with anything that would be suppressed. I mean, you know, but suppression doesn't have an indicator light. So, you know, it, <laughs> when it's happening, you, you ask, you, you end up questioning yourself. Did this really happen? Am I crazy? Is this, you know, you do a million, you know, internal mental checks. But at some point you have to accept that, you know, some of the things that, that you're experiencing, A, are not normal and B, are coming from someplace deeply malfeasant. Uh, I mean, uh, when uh, you know, the uh, we went through the the whole you know closing up shop thing with the, the phone, what I realized was happening was that they were placating us, right? Because placation is control. Okay, and when I you know and, and all this time I'm tweeting about the company on uh, on Twitter. And I've been, without knowing it, I was had been shadow banned. I must have been tweeting at the wall <laughs> for probably three or four years. I mean, literally, you know. I mean, I feel stupid, you know, knowing knowing what I know now. It's like, oh my god, you know. I was, I can't believe how naive I was, uh, you know, because I mean, one 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 day on Twitter from one of those accounts that doesn't have a photograph and has three followers and nine tweets. Uh, somebody comes up and says, Hey, uh, I want to talk to you about your uh, helping your company out. Give me your number. So I DM on my phone number and on the phone comes a voice and uh, it offers me everything that we would have needed to uh, validate the technology. They would, they, I was real specific about this because they're offering a lot. Uh, they would come to my place. They would pick up my machine. They would take it to Cornell University, which is, which is CIA. And, and do a techno-economic analysis and then send me my machine back with, with, you know, certified productivity data in exchange for my being the hapless moron who published the Antifa manifesto online. Now I have a recording of this phone call that I don't keep anywhere near a computer. Uh, but you know, this just for my own edification, so I can say, I know I wasn't dreaming, you know? Uh, and when, you know, this kind of thing starts happening, uh, you know, and I, and, at this point, I'm noticing I've got the FBI out in front of my house about three days a month. And this went on from 2010 to about 2019, roughly, uh, well into the uh, Trump administration. And at that point, you know, it, at some point I, I had to uh, find out what's going on with the FBI. So I filed a FOIA request and I asked about the company and my name and the way that that works is that because you're anybody's allowed to ask for a copy of their own fbi file anybody and if you're not under active investigation 
they're obligated to provide you that copy. Well, they had no problem providing me a copy of, of literally nothing they had on Scipio Biofuels. But on me, oh, they wouldn't, they wouldn't send me anything, not a word. So obviously I'm under, I've been under active investigation by the FBI, obviously without warrant, without, without probable cause for years. For what uh, crime? I mean, what, what, what would you even alle- uh, allege, I guess? I don't even want to put this in your, your lap, but I mean, it's not like you're out, uh, uh, smuggling drugs or any crime, you know, interstate crime that besides making a bio few. No, I gave up crime years ago. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, you know, what am I doing wrong? What have I, you know, what have I done to deserve this? The only thing I can think of is, you know, and follow the logic here is that they didn't want biofuels. And, you know, the reason for that is because then they get to hold the entire planet hostage, you know, to climate change. You know, I mean, heaven forbid, you know, the spirit of the American inventor in a country filled with 350 million plus people, you know, you'd think that at least one of us would figure it out. You know, I mean, I got that much faith in America. And, well, or the world even, right? I mean, yeah, there's I mean, people know, in the world. We got plenty of brain power here. We can do this. I mean, we are. I mean, you are doing this. Why aren't we? Why? I mean, we're saying one thing, right? We're saying we want to go green. I think we can agree that that's been said ad nauseum, right? Oh, yeah. But you're, you're sitting here telling me that you, you know you can't get government money to fund this to get it at scale to help go green or even investigate the possibility of seeing it works, even. But we know it does. But we need that yeah, uh, uh, yeah um, we applied to the DOE I couldn't tell you how many times but the the most recent time was in 2021 I believe when they had their last uh, open call for uh, uh, for projects and on my application I had PhD who was the former head of the bioenergy technology office at the DOE uh, Another PhD uh, who is an agriculturist, uh, another one who did the AI control system that worked at uh, Berkeley Labs, and uh, another gentleman who is be, uh, who's in geophysics, another PhD, who's got a business of his own and who does most of his, his businesses through grants from the government. And uh, normally it would take about three weeks for them to reject an application. Uh, this one they kicked back in three days. Uh, so <laughs> hold on, let's put a pen in this for just a second because I've got to repeat that because you know the listener out there may may have missed this. But your re- your application was rejected by a government agency in three days. Yeah. Yep. Three days, uh, and that's when I've got one of their former department heads as a co-applicant. Uh, you know, it, uh, it, it gets worse. I mean, you know, I believe I was a, a victim of Lois Lerner. Uh, those of you who might remember, she was the one who uh, pleaded the fifth and then ran her mouth in front of a judge after she got caught at the IRS, uh, uh, not uh, uh, helping out the people who wanted uh, 501c3s for uh, conservative uh for conservative groups and for churches and things like that. Uh, because right around the time frame, the time frame is right, but you know, I, I don't have any, any, any direct evidence that, that she did this. I mean, I don't, I don't have a piece of paper that says from Lois Lerner, you know, get out. But in 2015, my bank account disappeared. Uh, every dime was gone, poof, and, uh, getting another account demonstrated to be impossible. And so I was debanked years before it was cool. Okay. Uh, and they kept me out. Until I, don't, 20- I, don't know if, I don't know if it's cool ever, by the way. But. Oh yeah. You know, but, uh, you know, oh. try, to, try to put a nice face on it, you know, uh, and, 
uh, you know, the, and this was in response to my saying online, I think I'm being suppressed, you know, because, you know, if they made all these promises, they've, they've, they've if in effect taken the entire world hostage, you know, to, uh, to something that is supposedly insurmountable, right? And as long as they go and they throw a few billion dollars at it and they waste it on purpose, well, then they can say they tried. It doesn't cost them anything. Yeah, but who's getting the money they're wasting? Uh, (laughs) Well, you got to understand. No, here's the thing. Uh, Now, when you've got uh, PhD uh, uh, psychologists or or algae doctors, uh, you know, these people, there isn't a big call for these people in the private sector. Okay. And the way that, that these people live is from grant to grant. Okay. That's, that's, that's how they, they do their thing. That's, it's built into the system. So you, you can't blame them. You know, they're just doing what they do. Uh, you know, it's, it's when, uh, uh, you know, you've got, you know, them not allowing people who, you know, come up with a better mousetrap to move forward. You know, uh, you know, I, I don't begrudge anybody trying to make a living, right? But there's got to be a reasonably even playing field. And, you know, with, with uh, the whole grant thing, uh, yeah, it went, to, it went to companies that failed. Um, one of them, you might remember this name, Solyndra would be a name that you might remember. They came up, they thought that they could make enough uh, electricity by putting a magnifying glass in front of a solar panel. And if oh, they did, I, I remember they, the technology. I don't I didn't remember the name, but yeah. <laughs> if they did it with hyper expensive aerospace materials, that it would somehow be better. And, you know, they, you know, after running the place for, you know, six months, they, they, you know, said, oh, well. They killed, they killed a bunch of <laughs> they killed a bunch of ants. Oh yeah, oh yeah, killed a bunch of ants, and they uh, and the, you know they declared bankruptcy, and all the executives walked away with money. You know, and those are the that's an egregious example of of what I'm talking about. And so, it, 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 from the beginning, logic dictates it was a screw job. You know, the the whole thing is they set up the scientific community. But I succeeded anyway. And that's the problem. Because remember, liquid transportation fuels, they represent freedom. When you can just drive around, drive around and go wherever you want. But now take, they take, want- me, take me on that ride you took me in earlier. Well, yeah, now- bad point. Yeah, right now. Well, the, the part about liquid transportation fuels, yeah. Okay, well, the part about liquid tra- it, it, it it's freedom. You know, that was what they sold the Model T on, you know. Uh, Chevy, you see the Chevrolet, or see the USA in your Chevrolet, right? Well, how do you stop that? You put everybody in an electric car, and then you put them on a social credit system, and every time you fart in an elevator, your car won't start. And that's that's what they're they're actually trying to do, and you know that's why they they don't want me. But the, the strange part is that I mean the U.S. military is the single largest consumer of of petroleum products on the planet, and you know if they're gonna you know get quote unquote get rid of petroleum, uh, what does that do for the military? You know, a whole lot of nothing. Well, we had figured out a way that you could, in effect, you could take our equipment and you could wrap it around the perimeter of a military base or an airport or, you know, uh, any large facility like that. So you just wrap it around the outside edge and it can act as a physical barrier against anybody trying to get in. Uh, So you can produce your biofuel at the airport instead of having to fly it in, truck it in, pipe it in. Right. You would think that they'd be happy, happy about this. This makes no. way too much sense. 
No, uh, you know, when it's, it's weird. Uh, when we were looking for investment for the company, what we found, uh, there was one guy that we talked to down in Laguna Hills and he said to us, they'll never let you do it. And I asked why. And all he could tell me was it's too perfect. I said, but it worked. Everything will work. He goes, no, I have a mechanical engineering degree. I get it. I understand what you've written here. It'll work. They'll never let you do it. And he couldn't really tell me why, but I figured it out. Um, you know, the reality is, is that if they are able to get a handle on climate change, that means that they can no longer use climate change as the excuse to push people around. Give up your rights because of climate change. Give us more power because of climate change. You know, you you have to move out of your house and into a pod and eat bugs because of climate change. You know, and, you know, when climate change was first brought about, it didn't come from the scientific community. It came from politicians. You know, so and and the the politicians, uh, you know, coerced the science, the scientific community to to go along with them. Uh, If you look at the end of the film. Uh, dimming the sun at the end they have a few scientists uh, you know like they walked up to their desk and said well what do you think about climate change and you see some of the most reticent answers I have ever seen yeah the words came out of their mouth but their face said something very very different you know, uh, and, you know, by the Obama administration, when they asked for this, they, in effect, technologically conscripted me. I mean, if you if you know that you can come up with the, the machine that's going to presumably, and I, I hate to use this phrase, but presumably quote, air quotes, I know you can't see it, but air quotes, save the world, you're kind of obligated, okay, regardless of what you got going on. And, you know, I I just, you know, that's why I'm here, you know. But when you do it, and and Obama was, had his boot on my neck, and yet I had to watch every night for, oh, geez, at least five years of him screaming, we need this for climate change. We need this for climate change. Well, they've already got it. Why would they use it? What's the problem? Now, to me, you know, follow my logic here. If you take the world hostage and then you then suppress the solution, you've effectively committed a crime against everyone. That means that it quali- what they did to me qualifies as a crime against humanity, assuming that climate change is actually true. Now, I know that's a stretch, but you know what else do you call it? I mean, when when you've got you know the game that they're playing is one of of you know they want a one world government. Well, you can't solve problems and have one world government. You have to let well, the problems pile up. As I say, this comes. This is a question that would pop up in my chat room here. Uh, is it both parties that are in this problem? But if we're going for a one government, it's uh, got to be right. So it's well, just it's not. not the, going to, it's not going to be the American government. That'll be a government over our government. So we would be, you know, basically taking the orders from a bunch of unelected bureaucrats that live somewhere else and probably have a big ax to grind against America. Yeah. That's think a, about that. You know, and, and they, you look at what's going on at Davos and uh, these other places, you know, that, that fruit loop uh, uh, running the world economic forum, I forget his name, uh, Klaus Schwab. And, you know, I, I'm sorry, 
he's validation to my logic. Absolute validation. You know, there's something crazy going on here. And, you know, it, it does not bode well for anybody. And all, and how do you make it happen? You put people's lives in such a state that they will go to the government and beg for a solution. Beg for them to fix the problem. And then the government simply has to say, oh, we can fix the problem. But in order to do that, you have to give up your rights. And they've been doing it. And they've been getting away with it. And, you know, and, you know, I, I you know, it, I, what can I say? Uh, you know, it's just, it's just, you know, the logic of, of what I've experienced. You know, you hear these people talk about, you know, oh, my, my truth, you know, my lived experience. Well, there you go, kids. That's my lived experience. You know, I, I wanted a family. And, you know, in 2008, I was 42, and that would have been late to start. Well, now I'm 57. And so I, I, I'm way too old to be starting a family now. You know, so, you know, I have no vested interest in the future. But I'm not done. You know, these people, they need to be uh, called out for what they are. And they need to be taken care of the way they should be. You know, they're doing the most un-American things I can imaginable. I mean, just, I, 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 I can only imagine how twisted the person is that, that came up with all this. You know, let alone how, how uh, corpulent, corrupted, uh, evil the people who are actually implementing this actually are. I mean, you know, the FBI tell, will tell you, we have integrity. Well, if any government agency has to tell you that they have integrity, they have none. They, their reputation should speak for them. Well, they shouldn't be telling you what the reputation is. You know, the reputation is earned. And the reputation that virtually every agency of the federal government has at this point, if you ask me, is you know, malfeasant, un-American, and treasonous. You know, and, and I know that that's a heavy thing to say, but what was it that uh, Hillary said uh, uh, when she was running against Donald Trump? My God, if they uh, find out what we've done, they'll hang us all. Well, you know, how much validation do we need before we realize that we've been sold a pig and a poke with Joe Biden. And we add to that the public knowledge that Barack Obama has an office with guys running in and out 24 hours a day, about two miles from the White House. Are you going to tell me we're not living in Barack Obama's third term? You know, I, I, you know, I understand that these are, are suppositions and speculations officially, but, you know, the reality is, is that, you know, logic is there to tell you if something, you know, is necessarily true, necessarily false, cannot possibly be true or cannot possibly be false. And if you accept that as the premise, then we need a lot of us to cowboy up and start saying something. You know, because, you know, the reality is, uh, you know, that what's going on is not happening by accident. And, you, you, know, you, you know, normally what we say is, you know, do not assign to malice that which can be explained by incompetence. Okay. And that's reasonable. Unless... Uh, the people that claim to be the most, the brightest and the best people on, on, on the world, on the planet, unless they're claiming it. And then all of a sudden they go and they become incompetent. What's up with that? 
You know, <laughs> you know, the federal government doesn't do anything by accident. Nothing. And well, so, it did lose a bunch of money once, but that's here and there. Uh, well, <laughs> but, but when that's another, that's another rabbit hole for another day. <laughs> too true. <laughs> uh, you know, but you know, so when you know they come out and they say, you know, oh well, this happened and it was an accident and etc. Uh, no, uh, their explanation to you for it being an accident was part of the plan. You know, I mean, logic dictates that this necessarily must be true. And these are ugly things to think about. You know, and, you know, I've had nothing but time to think about these since I've been doing this. And, you know, I, you know, my biggest fear is, is that the world's going to, you know, look at me and simply say failed inventor he's a crackpot you know which would be very very easy which is why i've kept my mouth shut until now uh you know but the reality is is that things have changed you know there are uh you know things going on that uh you know make me, yeah, make me feel that the, the, the necessity to to say something well, I, 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 as I say, I, I guess I should mention that I am thrilled to have you here because I know that you are of the variety who don't say much publicly. So, um, but I know that the live listeners here are just astounded by the story and grateful for you sharing it. So I can't wait for it to hit re recorded and get around the, you know, the surface. Well, so I just that'll take be a moment. You know, um, you know, I mean, I would like to be able to drag the, the federal government into court. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, and I was originally under the presumption that this would be like a civil rights case. Uh, and so I went and I talked to almost every civil rights lawyer in LA, Ventura and Orange counties in California. And with a single exception, every one of these people vacated professional ethics, objectivity, and their responsibility as officers of the court. They either tried to convince me that what was happening to me wasn't illegal or it wasn't happening at all or they would simply refuse to speak to me because they did not want to besmirch the, uh, you know, their, the, the God of, of their ideological thing. I mean, you know, Barack Obama was the ideological Messiah for a lot of people. And, you know, he, he, he would did a really good job of snowing everybody who is driven by emotion. He's, he was really wait, wait, wait. wait I, I'm going to back up for a second because I, I sure. got to drive this. I'm going to drive this point home. You've talked to a bunch of attorneys. Now we know there's attorneys out there that'll take murderers, right, on the nose, right? Oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. They, they won't even talk to you. Nope. Let's like, like I said, let's just. Well, there was there was one. There was there was one. Uh, and this person actually ended up being, uh, as I found out later, a Republican, but he wanted $600,000 to even engage. And so, you know, what do you do? I mean, I don't have $600,000 burning a hole in my pocket. Uh, you know, honestly, I don't know where my next pair of shoes is coming from, you know, but what do you do? Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to 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 be in this position you know because i i have had a lot of time to to figure out some very deep dark heavy things and when i go to try and share these with my friends well my phone doesn't ring a whole lot anymore okay <laughs> and you know it's it's that Everything is is so bad, but what's got me out here is that it's about to get that much worse. 
and this is brings me to uh my big quote unquote bombshell uh, announcement uh oh wait wait wait, wait. i want to ask you one question because i'm looking sure. at the clock so i want to push this back just a couple minutes okay. i want to ask a german town runner wants me to ask you i know you don't want to get too far into it but i do want to ask you what's next for the company um for legal reasons and for personal reasons, I really can't say. Uh, I will say that we're not going to stop because if climate change is if climate change is true, I don't dare stop. I can't stop. I'm obligated. I'm the I, and this is so strange for me for it to be me saying it. I mean, the people that know me will will completely <laughs> agree with that statement. Uh, that. You know, I, I can't stop. I, I, I mean, if I stop, climate change is true. Millions of people die. Right. That's why we're here. I mean, you know, with, with a machine that can grow algae that can be used to feed people, and grows algae in the tons per day, we can feed a lot of people with just very few machines. You know, if our machine fails and there is some economic catastrophe. And people are starving. Millions of people are going to die. Well, I don't need that on my conscience. I really don't. You just kind of kicked something in my head. I want to ask you because you, you got the what you told me it was about fifty percent of the plant that produces the algae that produces the oil byproduct. What is the, what is the the I'm using big air quotes here. Wait, is the waste product then food? So it's a hundred percent. Not exactly. Uh, See, there are, there's over 100,000 species of algae out there. Only about 10,000 or so have been sampled, cataloged, and their properties and componentry uh, been established. Of those, 300 produce a lipid or an oil. And of those, uh, four of them are ones that you would see people consuming on a daily basis. One of them you've heard of, it's called spirulina. Uh, if you've ever heard of uh, the antioxidant called astaxanthin, that comes from uh, a species of algae called Hematococcus pluvialis. And th there's only four uh, companies on the planet that grow that algae because it's not easy to do. Uh, but and but for biofuels, there's maybe a dozen species that are useful. Uh, see, the way that, that our system works is that you grow the algae in a monoculture, but you use a process to convert it to fuel where the, what you get out, say you want jet fuel, then you need to put in oil of a very specific uh, hydrocarbon chain length. Every algae that produces a lipid produces a different length hydrocarbon hydrocarbon chain length. So all you have to do is figure out what species produces the oil that makes jet fuel. And then grow a lot of that algae. Figure out which one makes biodiesel and then grow a lot of that algae. See, right now, when you pull a, a barrel of oil out of the ground, you get... I think it's seven gallons out of the 42 in the barrel. You get, I think it's seven that can be turned into jet fuel. Okay. Or, <laughs> or, and maybe four or five that can be converted to gasoline. And so, you know, it takes lots of barrels of oil in order to be able to pull out the individual products that people need. With our system, if you want jet fuel, your oil just makes jet fuel. No losses, no no waste, no no contaminant, no, you know, nothing. You don't have to crack it. You don't have to do any of that. And, you know, I can't think of a, of a better way, you know, for humanity to demonstrate to, to the aliens out there, if there are space aliens, uh, that humanity has evolved to the point where it would be okay for them to land on the White House lawn, pop the hatch and say, take me to your leader, than for us to be able to stop 
you know, polluting our own planet with by getting off the extracted energy model and going on to a manufactured energy model and taking it that we can take care of everybody who needs a job. You know, because we figured it out if you take a strip of our equipment a mile wide and go about five-sevenths of the way around the planet, you don't need petroleum anymore. Okay? And now before the petroleum companies go bananas, you know, thinking that, you know, that they will be made obsolete, uh, understand that they're, uh, of all the things that are made with petroleum, about 95% of those can be made with algae oil of one species or another. The rest of them can't be made with anything else. So petroleum is not going anywhere, right? They're just going to lose market share. And if they were smart, they would come to someone like me and we would do it. We'd make it happen, you know, but people are busy being greedy, short-term think, you know, thinking on the short term. And, you know, these people aren't even looking at their children and saying, do I want them to be free or not? Okay. And that's, that's the thing that has me uh, happy with uh, president Trump is that after benefiting from, you know, the crazy system that we have, that's that he has said blatantly is fixed. You know, he knows because he uses it. Uh, and yet he looks at, at his children and grandchildren and says, I cannot in good conscience be the last rich guy and have everybody have everybody else in my family from here forward living in what is in effect a prison planet. And that's why he's doing what he's doing. Uh, you know, I, I you know, you got people that, that doubt his, uh, you know, his motives, but, you know, I, I'm sorry if, you know, as, uh, you know, somebody, if I was at the top and I had a modicum of a conscience, I'm going to not be wanting to pull up the ladder behind me because I have children. You know, children are what give you a, a vested interest in the future. Oh, okay. You know, so that's what it says, and you know that's what it should be. But you've got people in office now who could care less about their children. Obviously, makes me wonder why they bothered. You know, because you know they want their children to be living under the boot of you know what comes next. And, you know, the reality is, is that being a communist in the United States is illegal. <laughs> if you go look it up. And so, you know, we got plenty of reason uh, to be, uh, you know, doing whatever is necessary, whether it's arresting them, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, but this doesn't need to happen. And it shouldn't happen. Okay, here we go. Now I've got. I want you. To, we're going to talk about this. Your bombshell, and then I've got the last interview question that I always ask people. Okay. And, uh, this has to do with AI. Uh, well, for the record, I, I I was talking to Matt earlier today, as you can kind of tell. We we talked today. I kind of gave him the layback of the last few weeks and kind of where we've been, and he has something interesting here. Well. Uh, ChatGPT just came out and it is fantastic, isn't it, ladies and gentlemen? <laughs> I mean, you can describe it, you can describe something, uh, and it doesn't matter what it is. You want a TV show script, you want a movie script, you want uh, an essay for your teacher. It'll kick one out for you in ten seconds or less, and it, it's a, it's a fantastic piece of technology. But it has a flip side, and it has been uh, gladly uh, accepted by business. Uh, the bigger the business, the happier they are to have it. Uh, to the point where Merrill Lynch today, today or yesterday, I forget which, 
uh, announced that they would no longer be hiring for positions that could possibly be replaced by chat GPT. Now that means logically, if we take that to its extension, that if you work in the financial industry, your days are numbered. Uh, right now they are, are, are throwing description after description after description at GPT with slight variations until they get back what they want in order to replace you. And then they will. Uh, you know, I, I mean, you know, when they do this, there's going to be a cascade effect. You know, you may think, you know, uh, I'm a barista. This is not going to hurt me. But the reality is, is that when, you know, all the, the financial guys lose their jobs, they're not going to be able to afford a $7 Starbucks coffee anymore. So, no, Mr. Barista, you're not safe. Nobody is safe in this, you know, because they're going to be replacing, you know, everybody that they possibly can in the mortgage industry and, you know, other financial industries. Uh, And I'm I'm trying to think of other businesses that they can, you know, directly, Uh, you know, you're going to see receptionists disappear. You're going to see, uh, you know, attorneys be replaced. You're going to see, uh, I I mean, this is going to, ripped through society and it's already started with Merrill Lynch. And when this thing gets going, it would not surprise me, not in the slightest for as many as 75,000 or 75 million people. I'm sorry, 75, 700. No, no, I'm sorry. I'm getting ahead of myself. 75 million people losing their jobs in the next three years. Which is wild to think about. That's and a big will, number. And it will begin this fall. That's about how long it's going to take for them to develop the descriptions of your job to put you on the street. And when they do that, if you don't know how to do something else for a living, you're going to be either on welfare or begging in the street. And if you think that the government's going to care you're going to be sorely disappointed. Well, Matt, that leads us to our last fun question. I don't want uh, to. Well, I mean, this in telling us about this, I mean, uh, you know, as as GPT is doing this simultaneously, the, the U.S. dollar is is losing its position as a global reserve currency. Now, what that means is that the value of the dollar will will no longer be whatever we decide it is. It will be determined based on exports minus imports equals the value of your currency, just like everybody else. And so if you're not ready to start exporting a whole lot, you're going to have a lot of people going hungry. You know, a lot of kids going to have to come home from college. A lot of kids who planned on going aren't going to be able to go to college. This is going to going to rip through every every level of society, you know. I mean, and in closing, I'll say this: Okay, America became great because regular people acted courageously to do great things. What's coming? You know, big sacrifices are going to have to be made, and. The reality is, is that your life is is going to be torn from you within the next 12 months. Now, would you rather have it torn from you or would you rather sacrifice it and get something out of it? You know, because that's that's all we have left. I mean, with chat GPT soon to make people obsolete is it better to sacrifice everything before everything you have you've ever worked for is stripped from you? I believe it is, you know, not everybody can, can, you know, do something great. You know, if you have a a bunch of kids and, and, you know, you're 
you're keeping them fed is your highest priority and, and you're barely making it, you know, you don't have to, to be the one to step up like me and, and be willing to, to, to say the hard truth, you know, to call things out for what it is. But you can support people like me, you know, make it as as painless as possible, you know, even if it's just a word of encouragement, you know, uh, you know, because I'm not the only one. There are more like me. Uh, this is, you know, telling the the public these kind this kind of thing is exactly why Tucker Carlson got fired. Okay, this is why uh, you, know, you see people and he's stepping up. Uh, there's a, a channel on YouTube called The Economic Ninja. He is stepping up. He is saying all the ugly things. He's telling the truth. Because he wants people to be able to get through this without, you know, having to, you know, do nasty things in dark places for money. And, you know, I, I, I'm with him hundred percent, you know, I, I just think that, that, uh, you know, the American public, I, I, I hope that they are willing to listen to what I've got to say, you know, and, and make some changes, do some, some research and prepare for this because it's coming. Uh, you know, I, I, I had a friend of mine not too long ago. Uh, who asked me the strangest question I'd ever heard from anybody. And, you know, with all this ugliness that you keep talking about, uh, I've been watching you, and i got to ask, don't you ever get tired of being right? (laughs) I mean, that's that's a scary thing to somebody to say to you with the stuff going on. And, you know, I, I can't keep my mouth shut anymore. It's as simple as that. You know, but for me, you know, email is virtually useless. I mean, the internet's virtually useless to me anymore. Uh, social media is a joke. And so and there's so no way there's for me no- to say anything except for coming on a show like yours. And Jim, I want to thank you very much. You know, I'm grateful for this opportunity to come on here and, you know, to tell people, you know, that the government is not working in your best interest. They tell you they are, but they're not. They're working against your best interest, and they're just praying to God you don't find out. Well, hopefully, we open somebody's eyes tonight. But I got this final. This this is the funnest part of the show right here. I promise you. This question is very painful. I mean, very painless, um, but it's still fun. You ready? Yeah, let's have it. What's your favorite breakfast? Um, uh, sausage and pepperoni glazed donut. Say that again. A sausage and pepperoni glazed donut. I've never even seen such said thing. <laughs> I'm sorry. That, 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 it's one of those weird things I come up with just to get a giggle. Oh, I, oh, I was like, but I'm, I'm sitting here. I'm, I would probably eat it though. Oh, oh just well, yeah. Right. Well, now that I think about it, uh, <laughs> well, well, you see, I, I used to do stand up a long time ago, and one of the jokes I used to come up with was, uh, you know, oh, you know. What do you like for breakfast? Oh, I, I eat biscuits and gravy flavored potato chips. And then some, <laughs> year, some years later, Lay's comes on the shelf. I, I see it back. I, I yell about this all the time because, like, you know, Fruity Pebbles used to just be a cereal. Now it's a candy bar and all this other crap. Like, it, you know, like, it's everywhere. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, but, you know, I you know, coming up with, like, weird foods to, to you know, use in a, a stand-up show. Uh, after a while, it's just, it's like, well, that would be funny, except for people already doing that. Yeah, it's like The Onion, right? The, the news site, right? They almost went out of business because things got so weird that they couldn't oh, yeah. keep up. Oh, yeah. It, it proves to me that people will eat just about anything. <laughs> well, Matt, I appreciate you, and I appreciate your story tonight, and I appreciate being the guy who you trust to tell that story. So thank you. Hey, you're very hey, welcome. very welcome. Thank you then thank you. And uh, you have my number, so we'll talk soon. Sounds good. Okay. So there's Matt Snyder there. Okay. I promised my own bombshell tonight. Now, this is this is rare. Germantown Runner will verify this in the, in the 
in the chat room here. This is very rare. I am announcing tonight that I'm taking next week off. I mean, I don't take weeks off. Anybody who's been around the show knows that um, over the 11 years, I've probably taken uh, 11 weeks off through the course of the year. But next week will be one of those weeks. But this is a planned, unplanned, planned day off. Um, this morning, I would be hosting the show next week. But tonight, I'm not. Because I was asked to speak at a school choice rally in Harrisburg on the steps of the Capitol next week. So Mr. Mallard goes to Harrisburg. Um, will be happening. I am sure there will be plenty of social media engagement and activity around this. Uh, probably some videos, some pictures. I'm sure whatever uh, people can get out there will get out there. Um, so that will be happening next week. So um, um, that's happening at, I think, 11.30 or noon in Harrisburg. And Harrisburg is a four-hour drive. So as you can imagine, um, four hours there speaking, uh, having some meetings with some people, and then uh, driving back. Um by the time I get home, um, I will be ready to go to sleep and not do a show, uh, unfortunately, because uh, I'm not sure even what time I'll be back. So I don't want to put that pressure on myself of having to be back in time for doing a show or being awake even to do a show, because I know it wouldn't be my best show. So I think um, being focused on the events at hand that day uh, are more important for once. And uh, so I really look forward to uh, sharing that with you as I can, and we'll be back the following week with, uh, I think we're going to shift gears finally and get out of the tech space and get into the spiritual space again. So we're going to be getting into, uh, I think we're going to get into some religion for a few weeks, kind of break the stronghold of technology for a while and then uh, see what goes on from there. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to miss you all too, but like I said, I think it's just probably the best that I can do, and I might even um, do do my some live streaming from there. I don't know how the service is or any of that stuff, but we'll see, um, just to kind of share with, with you as that goes down. So, But I'm really looking forward to it. Like I said, that was only an opportunity that came to me within the last couple hours, and I don't know how to um, do it any other way except uh, do one thing. 100%, so we're going to do that. So, hey, with that all being said, I will see you in two weeks, which I'm looking forward to being back. I'm sure I'll be amped up and ready to go for that. But until then... It's the Mallard, it's the Mallard Report. Yeah, the Mallard Report. Hey, I want to thank you for joining us. It's been a good show tonight. I hope you enjoyed it. Take a few moments, subscribe, share, all the fun stuff. You know how to do it. I don't have to tell you. Just uh, be ready for next week. It'll be sooner than you think. You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes, and luckily, that's how long it takes me to tell a story. My name is Aaron Califato, and I'm the creator of 7-Minute Stories. I'm proud to partner with Evergreen Podcasts, and I'd like to invite you to join me on this journey. I'm going to take you on some crazy roller coaster rides using my unique extemporaneous storytelling style, and together, we're going to try to make sense of the world, all through the art of storytelling, and all in approximately seven minutes.